This is the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. The film Napoleon has arrived in our cinemas. It arrived on Wednesday, and it's an epic film about an epic man, a man who dominated France and Europe for several centuries, for several year, decades in the 19th century, and his influence is still felt in France today. In fact, it's still celebrated by people there. And this film, Napoleon, brings the man to life for us today whether it's on the battlefield or in the palace. But imagine we could go back to 1815 and see Napoleon in the flesh. Or perhaps not just Napoleon, but someone else in history. Like which person or which event in history would you love to go back and to see? Maybe it would be Napoleon or Churchill or maybe St. Ebba, who this, the woman who this church is named after. At long last, we could find out who she is and what she looks like. Or maybe you'd like to go back to an event earlier in your life or in your family's life. Often we want to see someone or something because we think that whenever we see it, it'll make it real to us. Then we'll believe it. You know, those exam results, whenever we see them on that piece of paper in front of us, you know, we believe we really did get those grades. Or we know that we've been paid whenever we see the money in our account. Or the test results sink in as the doctor sits there and talks us through them. 
or those people standing here, they really are married. I suspect many of us tonight would like to go back to the first century and see Jesus. But maybe you're a skeptic and you think, at long last, I could, we could then prove that he didn't rise from the dead. Or if you're a Christian, you'll see that he really did. And you'll know what he really looked like. And perhaps some of us feel that seeing him, physically seeing him, would make a big difference to us. That it would give us real confidence in our faith. And so we have sympathy for Thomas. All the other disciples have seen Jesus, but for some reason he hasn't. And he's skeptical of their claim. I will not believe, he says. And it's tempting for us to think, well, ancient people were all gullible. Like they believed anything. But the Greeks and Romans didn't believe in a resurrection. And some Jews called the Sadducees didn't either. Now, the Pharisees did, but only at the end of time, no one was expecting one man to rise from the dead in the first century. And yet, this Thomas saw Jesus. And his deep skepticism turned into profound faith. And maybe you wish if only that could be me. I would love to have that experience. Well, tonight you're not worse off because you can't. Jesus isn't going to come through these doors this evening. But you're not second best. In fact, you're blessed. Those words of Jesus, blessed are those who haven't seen and yet have believed. You may not share Thomas's experience, but you can share his faith in Jesus tonight and so have life in his name. Doubters can become disciples, and this story shows us how. So first of all, hear the disciples' words. In this chapter, chapter 20, John records stories of people who saw Jesus and believed. So John himself and Peter saw the empty tomb and they believed. Mary sees Jesus and believes. The disciples see Jesus and believe, but Thomas doesn't. And yet the disciples tell him, we have seen the Lord. They were eyewitnesses of the risen Jesus and they weren't alone. Later on, over 500 people saw him on one occasion, all at the same time. And the disciples spoke of whom they saw, and they kept telling Thomas. So in a sense, he, is in a sim he was in a similar situation to us, except he heard it from living eyewitnesses. For us today, the disciples' words are written down for us. And John explains why in verse 31. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John and the other gospel writers wrote within the lifetime 
of the eyewitnesses. And they name some of them so that we know who they are. Now, of course, we can say, well, they were all biased. Of course, they were all followers of Jesus. But just think about Thomas for a moment. Tradition has it that he went to what we now call India, and he preached the good news, and he established the church. But what a story to have in your background. How embarrassing to dismiss the disciples' account, to demand that Jesus show himself, and to be told, stop doubting and believe. Like, why didn't he just remove this story from the record? In fact, all of the disciples were deserters and doubters and deniers. Like, if you were going to make this all up, this wouldn't be the way to do it. Unless this is what actually happened. And don't forget, skeptics can be biased too. You know, we don't need to travel into space to believe that the world is round. Others have seen it, and they've recorded it, and we believe their testimony. And John hasn't told us everything, but he has told us enough so that we can believe. But why did Jesus appear to Thomas? Well, as it says there in verse 24, he's one of the twelve. He's an apostle. And one of the marks of an apostle is that they have seen the risen Jesus And so this incident didn't just change Thomas, but it qualified him for his new role. He too is an eyewitness. His words have been written down so that we might believe. Have you heard, have you read the disciples' words? If not, why not pick up a copy of John's Gospel, we have them by the exits, and take it home and read it. And perhaps you've got questions about these Gospel events, Jesus' death and his resurrection. Well, this book is Easter Unbelievable by Rebecca McLaughlin. I've got copies of it. Ask me for one. Chance to investigate further these claims. And if you have read John's Gospel or the other Gospels, Like, what do you make of them? Many of us here have read them, and we do believe the disciples' words. But we can take confidence from them. You're blessed. You have the words of life, words that continue to transform people today. Then secondly, appreciate Jesus' wounds. In this story, John the eyewitness emphasizes Jesus' wounds. Now, some of us have scar stories, or perhaps we've got friends who have got scar stories. Scar stories is when, you know, maybe you've had a, you know, they show you their knee, And as you look at their knee, you can see that all the way down it is a scar, a big scar, because they had a sporting injury. Perhaps they suffered a bad tackle. And the scar has been left as a result of the surgery to kind of put the knee back together again. Or perhaps that scar was left from a car accident. Or perhaps from a a C-section, caesarean section, where doctors had to 
cut the mum open in order to deliver the baby. We have the stories of what happened. We have the scars to prove it. Well, Jesus has a scar story. Or actually, maybe it'd be better to say he has a wound story because the marks on his body are still fresh. Something traumatic happened to him. He was crucified. A horrific death. His hands and feet were nailed to a cross. A spear was rammed into his side to make sure that he was dead. Those wounds killed him. But as he stands before Thomas, those wounds are evidence of Jesus' life. He is alive. Like the last time Thomas saw Jesus, he was hanging on a cross. And Thomas ran away and hid. And now that same Jesus is standing in front of him. He has the wounds to prove it. Can we just dim the lights for a second? Here's a picture from the Italian artist Caravaggio. And it's called The Incredulity of St. Thomas. And Caravaggio has has tried to capture this story from John chapter 20. And on the left-hand side there is Jesus. And the artist has painted him holding and since grabbing onto Thomas's hand and so that he puts his finger into Jesus' side. Now, John doesn't tell us that Thomas actually did that. But Caravaggio wants us to see that Jesus is physically alive, that Thomas can see him and hear him and smell him and touch him. Let's have the lights back up. Thank you. And he emphasizes that physicality, and, and it's a deeper physicality because Jesus appears in rooms that have locked doors, but he was dead and now he's alive. And throughout history, death has always won. It swallows up everyone. And many believe that that's the way the world is, and so that's the way it will always be. And that fuels their skepticism. Like, after all, this world is all there is. There is no God. It is just a cycle of life and death. But what if someone broke that cycle? What if Jesus Christ is Lord, not death? That as God, he came into our world and he lived and died and lived again and defeated death and triumphed over the grave and his wounds are evidence of the new life that he now enjoys. But these wounds are also the evidence not just of Jesus' life, but of his love. Like, if you could get a new body, like, wouldn't you want an upgrade on one, the one that you have already? Like, I'd love to have great eyesight. On Tuesday, I'm off to Specsavers again for an appointment. You know, I, I imagine that we would love to be smarter, and stronger, perhaps more sociable, Well, Jesus' resurrection body still has his wounds. And as he shows them to Thomas, 
He's saying, look what I went through for your salvation so that you could have life. A life that's deep and real, that goes on forever. A life that doesn't have to fear death. A life that disease and adversity can threaten but never overcome. A life that no matter what success or you achieve or experience can never be eclipsed by them. A life of deep, loving relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Life to the full. Life that Thomas and you and I can enjoy. How? Because Jesus' life was taken from him so that that life might be given to us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He bore our sins and God's punishment on them. And he rose, he died, and he rose again to new life so that we could live. Appreciate Jesus' wounds. Appreciate his incredible love and grace for us. See how Jesus treats Thomas. He returns from the grave, not to take vengeance on his deserting disciples or to humiliate a doubting disciple, but to show him his love. Look what I went through for you. Edward Salito lived during the horrors of the First World War, and he wrote a poem in 1919 called Jesus of the Scars, a poem that reflects on Jesus' death. And the final verse goes like this. The other gods were strong, but thou wast weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to a throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a God has wounds, but thou alone. The Jesus of the scars is a Jesus of love and grace and life. And maybe you're skeptical because you feel too guilty, too sinful for God, that you're beyond his reach. Could he forgive me? That sounds too good to be true. Look at the wounds of Jesus. See the life he has. See the love he has. And trust in him. Or maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're wounded. Maybe you carry the marks of conflict or disease. Something else that's happened in your life. And you doubt does God love me? Is he good? To our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. Jesus knows what it's like to suffer and be wounded. He has the scars to prove it and the power and the grace to walk with you and to bring good out of what you're going through. 
the disciples' words, Jesus' wounds. Then finally, your worship. Jesus said to Thomas, verse 27, stop doubting and believe. You see, it's not good enough. It's not enough just to believe in God. Thomas did that. Or to be associated with Jesus. Thomas had been there for three years. Or to be with those who follow Jesus. Again, Thomas did that. We must confess Jesus. We must worship him. And in the story, Thomas speaks twice. And the first time, he wants proof. And in one sense, that's a positive thing. You know, he's not a fool. He wants evidence. But in another sense, it's a negative thing. Thomas puts conditions in place. I won't believe he's alive unless these criteria are met. Verse 25, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And sometimes we can be like Thomas. You know, God, I'll believe you when. You know, you fill in the blank. I'll believe you when you do this for me. Prove yourself. But if he did, would you really submit to him? Is such a God one that you could love? I suspect before too long we'd set another condition in place for him to meet. And then another and another. And how far could we push him? Maybe some of our skepticism, some of our doubts, flow from our pride. That we don't want to give up control of our lives to God. We're afraid of what committing ourselves to him might cost. See how kind Jesus was towards Thomas. He comes looking for him. He knows his doubts. He repeats his conditions back to him in verse 27. But as he stands there with open hands, he disarms Thomas. Look what I've done for you. Look what I'm offering you. Stop doubting and believe. And so Thomas speaks for a second time, and this time there's no conditions, but there's a confession. An incredible confession for a Jewish man to make, calling another human being God. And that's who he is. He's the Word who was God. He's the the Word become flesh living among us. The one and only Son who has made the Father known. And here at the climax of the book is a confession that anyone can make, and John wants us to echo but it must be a personal confession. My Lord and my God. We've got to own it for ourselves. Say it on our lips. Believe it in our hearts. Submit all of ourselves to him. What are the conditions that you're making for God? I'll believe you I'll keep following you if you'll do this for me. 
drop your conditions. Jesus gave up everything for you. You can trust him with your worship and live the life he offers. The biggest doubter in the ancient world became the greatest believer. That's the difference Jesus makes. There's hope for all of us here tonight. Not because we're any better than him, but because Jesus is alive and at work bringing people to himself. And so as we enter into this week, hear the disciples' words. Appreciate Jesus' wounds and make your worship to our Lord and our God. Let's take a moment to reflect on God's word to us, to perhaps bring our doubts, skepticisms to him, to focus again on who the Lord Jesus is. Be merciful to those who doubt. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have a Savior who demonstrated that mercy and grace to Thomas. He continues to be merciful today to those who doubt. Lord, we bring to you our doubts, our struggles. For whatever reason, thank you for these words of eyewitnesses designed to strengthen and to make sure our faith. Thank you for, Lord Jesus, for your wounds, for all that you went through for us, your love, the life that you offer us. Lord, this evening we confess you are our God, you are our Lord, and we worship you. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.